you've come to the right place if you're looking to create, launch, and scale a high-value online training program. I'm your guide, Chris Badgett. I'm the co-founder of Lifter LMS, the most powerful learning management system for WordPress. Stay to the end. I've got something special for you. Enjoy the show. Hello and welcome back to another episode of LMS Cast. I'm joined by a special guest. Her name is Kate Stillman. She's from yogahealer.com. Welcome to the show, Kate. Hey, thanks, Chris. Glad to be here. When did your journey as a what I call an education entrepreneur, somebody who felt a calling to help people, you know, particularly online, when did that start for you? What what year were we at? Yeah, so I started. I mean, it depends how we define online. So I started a, a website and a constant contact, if you remember those guys, um, email, you know, basically like email blog type of conversation with my audience in 2001 in San Francisco. And our first online course was 2007. That's cool. That's cool. Um, how did you, you know, sometimes I, I know a lot of health and wellness people myself. How did you how did you bridge that gap? Sometimes there's this divide between like the business world and like the health and healing world. Like how did those really kind of come together for you, particularly with online? Was there a major influence or something that helped, helped you see the opportunity to kind of reach the world? You know, I think so. I, when I would look back, I'm like, why was it a little easier for me? And I, and I don't want to say that the entrepreneurial journey is easy for anyone. I, just to be clear, I, my dad was a computer guy okay. and so he was a he was a software he was like in the early days like hardware then software development and then you know basically those companies that he was working with were global so he was traveling to asia and and turning around offices there and so i just was like we always had a computer i knew that you know if i actually i telecommuted this was funny when i was working in washington dc and global warming, climate change politics before I went into wellness. And I went into wellness because I quickly realized that being in politics and policy to try to be, you know, help humans become more conscious that we live on, on one planet, <laughs> that we should, <laughs> we should figure out how to do that better, uh, led me to consciousness studies, which really led me into wellness. But I got my first telecommuting job with, cause I had a laptop. Cause my dad was like, here, you can, you know, if that's all you need to be able to live where you want and do what you want. And that was in 1996. So I was pretty early to the, like, you know, getting that if you had an internet connection and a computer and a good, you know, and just wanted to be useful uh, to people that you could, you could do something. And I think that helped a lot. That mindset helped a lot. Tell us about that first course in 2007. I think you said like, what technology did you use? What did you make it about? How'd you decide to do it? Was this your first dollar on the internet kind of thing here? That's a good question. Was that my first dollar on the internet? I don't know. Um, it was, we were charging, I was charging a thousand dollars and it was a living Ayurveda course. We still teach this course today. And it's for really people who want to heal themselves through Ayurveda and want to go on a, on a healing journey. Uh, I had been traveling around the U.S. teaching workshops at yoga studios and people just were very connected to my very practical way of teaching ancient wisdom to modern humans. And so they just wanted more. And I was like, oh, I'll teach. And I was I was in an online course with Sally Kempton, who was an enlightenment teacher uh, the year before. So I just basically did what she did, which was like, I think we used a Ning forum. Okay. Or we may have eventually 
migrated to ending form. I think we used a like teleconference HD, high def, <laughs> high def phone lines. Uh, before we then went to Maestro Conference, this is all pre-Zoom. Uh, and we used, I think we used a Google Doc. I think we, something like that. Or we were moving PDFs around from Word Docs, that kind of thing. It was pretty rough. Uh, shared book list really helped where we were reading the same things and, and yeah, then, then talking. I don't think we had, yeah, I think that was it. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. That's awesome. For somebody who's like, um, I mean, most people know what yoga is, but what, if you're kind of priming somebody on the, the expertise area of Ayurveda, like how do you kind of frame that in for somebody? Well, right now, the way I do it is, is different than in the, um, in the past. So right now, I, and I'm a, I'm a macro thinker. So I, I'm always looking again at like the biggest, biggest problems, biggest picture, biggest hurdles people are up against. And right now people are up against a lot. I mean, really it's, um, if we just look at the, rise of of chronic disease uh, driven by chronic inflammation in the last 100 years even the last 60 to 80 years um, it chronic inflammation was not a thing 100 years ago so people were dying of acute inflammation acute problems and so the way that i explain ayurveda is it's like it's basically the it's the habits that you need that will and, and they seem really counterculture right now because because culture is conventional. Culture has the habits of chronic disease. And so what Ayurveda is, it's, it's a very simple toolkit to restore your human design. And, and these habits are they're the ancient habits of circadian rhythm. The yogis were really into enlightenment and Ayurveda is the healing system that co-arose with yoga. So it's how do you live in an enlightened lifestyle? How do you live in an enlightened way? So you get to experience the full technology of being a human being, which is the most advanced technology that we found so far. Wow, that's awesome. I have, I do have a little background and I spent a little time in the Himalayan and, and I studied a little bit of Ayurveda when I was over there, but I'm, I'm very much a beginner, but I'm really curious, like, how do you bridge the gap when you take something from, I, I might say the ancient world or a different world? I mean, Ayurveda is alive and well to like a culture that's not familiar with it. Like it's hard enough to teach something, but to teach something that's like, feels really foreign to somebody. How do you, how do you bridge that gap as a, as a macro thinker and as someone who has to meet somebody where they are? Yeah. I mean, I really look for what matters most to them and what habits are most out of alignment that I'll, if they turn that habit around that they'll feel the best. So it's all based on personal interest. Like people are, actually fairly motivated to do what they want to do right and like if they want to feel better and they just don't have a, you know it's it, there's so much complexity and it's intentional the amount of complexity that's in allopathic medicine um, it's incredibly hard to figure out what's really going on for yourself and you know the thing about is ayurveda is you look at the whole person and so it's pretty easy from a whole person perspective sorry about that to figure out like what what's really going on and what, what change can they make that's so easy where they're gonna actually start to feel better within 24 hours. And that's really what I look like. How do you make it relevant to the person like right now to start to repair their intuition? Because in a healthy person, healthy person, and, and it's hard to even define what that is right now because there is so much inflammation. I mean, something around 28% of children in America are on pharmaceuticals right now. So that's a lot. Um, which means that in their on pharmaceuticals for chronic conditions, not for, not for acute conditions. So that means there's a high likelihood that 
these children will have more and more, usually if someone's on one medication for chronic disease, that they'll be on more within a few years. So these people will be medicated their whole lives. And it's really hard to live intuitively. So what we try to do is really restore someone's natural intuition so that they can just navigate life and take on, really take on more of what they're designed to take on. I mean, life is supposed to be full of positive stressors and we turn that on for people like they can, you know, make sense more quickly. I am using fewer and fewer of the words in Sanskrit to answer your question in a word. And what I find is that because of chronic inflammation, and this totally sucks, Chris, but um, cognitive function decreases. So neuroplasticity decreases. So people have a harder time learning new things. So to bring in concepts and language from another culture, a foreign culture, it's, it's harder now than it was 20 years ago. You know, or it's like, I'm just trying to like put things in plain English as much as possible. And yeah, what I'm teaching is ancient wisdom. And yeah, I can back it up with these terms from these ancient texts and I can put it in another language, but it's so not helpful for so many people right now. Does that uh, answer the question? Yeah, it did. Yeah, very much so. Very much okay. so. I appreciate that. Um, for you and also for the listener, I, I consider you uh, what I call an education entrepreneur. And, you know, the, the challenge, which you've pulled off successfully is it. I have a framework called the five hats that you have to wear in yourself and with your team, being an expert, being a community builder, being a teacher, being a technologist and being an entrepreneur. And it's really hard to like pull all that off. And you've clearly done that before we leave the expert area, like this, this subject matter expertise of Ayurveda and, and what's going on in the world today. Yeah. What, what are kind of like the top three um, kind of, chronic inflammation, just kind of core problems that maybe not everybody has all three, but really like these three problems are, are the biggest challenges that Ayurveda helps to address, whether it's like leaky gut or toxic environment or cortisol, like what is it? Like what are, as a, from a macro view, what are the top three stressors causing all this inflammation? Uh, overfed. I'd say that's, I mean, we could just talk about one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's great that's great so if I, I was i was talking to someone about this last night i'm like if we if people could just uh eat less frequently like it's really just it's really is just that simple our this is wild i did an interview with mark matson who uh he's a nih he used to run a department at nih on um, basically on intermittent fasting and in in his research uh, the human brain has shrunk 10 percent in 10,000 years so when we're talking about decrease of cognitive function, like there's a lot of things that happened when we stopped moving to find food and fasting. And so when someone is, and, and again, there's, there's, everyone's trying to sell you something right now that's in like health and wellness, or so it seems. Like I'm trying to sell you wisdom. <laughs> that's about it. Like I am, in, I am not into products. Like I am not into supplements. I am not into stuff. It's like help people fast longer. <laughs> period their children their you know their teens their elders like just return to just allowing the fasted state because the fasted state allows for autophagy and autophagy is where the cells start to clean house they start to basically digest what is broken within them and they upcycle like the whole body is actually much more of a closed system than an open system we're insanely resilient and adaptable if we just allow the natural physiology so in general people are eating too frequently 
And because we're eating too frequently, we stretch our stomachs out and then we eat too much. Because that feeling of fullness is that feeling of reward, which is great. I mean, satiation is the pulsation between hunger and satiation. Like it's, we need that. But if we're not really, if we don't experience hunger on a, at the level of, um, of a fat cell being totally depleted and what's called lean down, right, then we don't actually experience satiation. And it messes, yeah, then it has a cascade effect of the whole endocrine system. So then you're going to see issues all over the place. Uh, I mean, whether it's wild, actually, like the fat cells, that fat cells that are too fat, that are too full, uh, produce these antibody um, reactions that create, basically create autoimmune disorders. <clears throat> but they do all these other sorts of things. They can disrupt any endocrine gland. You know, and so it's just the simplest things of like, just start experiencing pulsation. The way you do that is you fast for longer. So most people don't know, uh, you know, what it's like to just eat one meal a day. I mean, it's such a simple concept. Uh, like just eat one meal a day, a couple days a week. It's as simple as that, really. Like just that will return the intuition and then people will get, oh my gosh, I'm tired. Okay, I should go to sleep. Okay, I wanna see what dawn is like. Okay, I should get up earlier. I should go to bed early to wake up earlier. Anyone struggling with anxiety and depression, like if you just do those things, fast longer, go to bed earlier, wake up before the dawn, witness the dawn of a new day, it'll start to rebalance your mind body. Wow, that's awesome. That's all we do at Yoga Healer, basically. It's like, <laughs> help people. Because what we found is that the biggest problem with this, Chris, is that our habits are not our own. Our habits yeah. are they're communal. And so we have to hang out with people that are healthier habits. I mean, I know you know this with entrepreneurs. It's like, if you just hang out with people who are smaller, you know, doing a smaller size business than you are, it's really hard to grow. But if you start hanging out with people playing a bigger game, like you've got people at, you can ask questions to that can shortcut giving you advice. It's the same thing with wellness, like hang out with people that have better habits. And that's essentially what we create is like these communities where someone can come in as a shit show and they can up level really, really fast because the community's operating at such a high level. That's awesome. Well, one more question on this. And, uh, you know, this is not medical advice. I'm just sharing my experience and whatnot. Um, yeah. And I just have a question for you is I'm, you know, I've, I've done a lot of fasting work. I've done like a three week fast, even with uh, water only and, and uh, you know, the refeeding on the other sides and all that, like real serious version. I've also done the intermittent stuff. Um, and then, you know, I've done, as I worked up to the big fast, I did a lot of like juice fasting and shorter fast periods, but what, like, if you're just going to set a rhythm for yeah. somebody who's, who's somewhat, you know, mid, mid-level experience with it what's the best way to do it? Like, um, in terms of like on the weekly basis and also on the annual basis, like, yeah, is it, is it healthy to have a longer term fast, like four times a year or once a year or, mm -hmm. or do intermittent or eat one meal a day? Like, like what, what's like the baseline, like option that you might throw out there for somebody that kind of has the, the mind to do it? Yeah. So in, in classical Ayurveda, there's uh, Dinacharya and Rituacharya. So Dinacharya is the daily rhythm and Rituacharya is the seasonal rhythm. So you're totally clued in to like, there's clearly like a day-to-day -day thing. And then there's clearly a higher, there's like a higher pattern above that. And then above that is life is the time of life. So you're looking at three yeah. different rhythms, like the daily rhythm, the seasonal rhythm, and then the time of life rhythm. So daily rhythm, what you're looking at is autophagy or the cell's ability to do any repair work. 
right? So it's not just putting load on the system, but it's actually taking load off the system happens after you haven't eaten for 13 hours. So that's when it's like game on. So most people who are just trying to do like, what's my baseline, will do a 16-8 most of the time. So they get three hours of autophagy a day and then an eight-hour feed rhythm. And that works for a lot of people who are just starting out. Who It's like, say family dinner is at, you know, 6 p.m. They might break their fast at, you know, 11 a.m. and do like 11 to 7 as their feed window. Now, metabolic flexibility is really important even with a daily rhythm. So you don't want to do that all the time. You want to extend it more and start to play with 18 sixes or having, again, five hours of autophagy if it's 13 plus five to 18 um, in a six-hour eating window. So those days, you might not break your fast until 1 p.m. and then be done eating at 7 p.m. And then what will happen is you'll notice, oh, some days I want to break the rules. Great. That's actually really good. And it's good to have 14 tenths where it's like, some days you only have one hour of autophagy. That's it. Um, and what this metabolic flexibility does is it increases your adaptability. What I have found with people that want to see how good they can feel is, is doing a couple days a week where they just do, you know, like a, just a one meal a day. Uh, and you can drink black coffee, you can drink water, uh, and, and then that's it. And, it. and what happens is that the stomach retracts, it shrinks really hard. The, the fat cells actually can pulsate back. And that's what you want. You want dynamic pulsation. So then the seasonal rhythm is usually the change from hot season to cold season, cold season to hot season. And in those times, there's naturally what I call the food blahs, where you just are like, I don't know what to eat. Nothing tastes great. Everything's kind of the same. Like I'm, and that's what's telling you that your body wants to take an opportunity to go a little bit deeper into autophagy. So at those seasonal junctures, doing something like, I mean, if we talk in fasting language, it would be like a an FMD, which is a fast mimicking diet, uh, which is really like calorie restriction for a certain period of time. And you're just trying to maximize autophagy. Uh, Dr. Walter Longo did a bunch of research on this, and he basically found that it's like the fi 500 to 650 calories a day, males 650, females 500 for about five days is a really good deep reset where you're actually able to digest some you know, basically cancer cells in your body and cells that are gone, have gone malignant. Um, you're able to digest the folded mitochondria within cells, which are your energy center. So you get a really deep energetic reset. Uh, and then what I have found happens, we do a three week yogi detox twice a year. We do it in April and October every year as a, as a community. Um, and some people will do, you know, more serious things like FMD, but some people will just kind of actually get into a better eating rhythm and get into a better sleeping rhythm and just nurture themselves for a couple of weeks. And that sort of reset is just hugely rejuvenating to the spirit. And it also starts to show a person what's optional. Like what are they actually opting into with their habits in terms of what, how they feel? How much do they have control over? And to me, that's really the the biggest reason to do those seasonal resets is actually see see what you're punishing yourself with and see how easy you can make your life because it's that which is really going to change the trajectory of how you age in the decades to come uh and to me that's the biggest thing that those those seasonal up cycles do wow that's awesome is there any quick comments i think you mentioned the season of life like how yeah like as that relates like and what are those yeah. break points yeah, so uh, the kapha stage of life or the building anabolic stage of life is from preconception. So your parents' cells making your first cell, right? It starts there and it goes to about young adulthood. 
and then young adulthood through the metabolic time of life, which is about 20 to 60. It's interesting, like human metabolism stays relatively the same from 20 to 60 years old. Activity level changes, which is why we need often less food as we get older, because we just don't move around right. as much. Even if you notice, like, a, you know, I, I was watching this, um, I was at a gymnastics meet this weekend with my daughter, and there was a little three-year-old, and like, I could not believe, like, she could not sit still for like half a second, you know? She's on the bleachers, and then off the bleachers, and over here, and then over there, and then she's upside down, and then she's right, right? That's like being three, and you look at a 60-year-old, and they like, can literally sit in the same position for like five hours looking at a screen without a problem. And feel kind of, you know, get up, take a little walk. They don't, they don't, we move more efficiently as we, as we age. So that's the pitta or metabolic phase of life. And then the catabolic phase of life, the vata phase of life is usually around 60 to 100. And that time of life is where massive efficiencies increase and ability to transmit deeper wisdom. So you lose certain abilities with senses uh, in an external way and you gain insight, you gain the inner senses. So you get like much more deep time, deep space perspective in that phase of life when, when you optimize for that. Wow. Wow. That's cool. <laughs> Thanks for that. I could, I could keep going forever about that stuff. That's, that's awesome. Um, let's transition over to Kate and Yoga Healer, the entrepreneur and the kind of like the education stack. Just for somebody who's just to get a feel for what you offer, you have courses in terms of, um, we'll talk about marketing in a second, but for stuff that people can buy, you've got courses and coaching, I believe, like what's yeah. in your stack? Like what's the offer? Like, or what yeah. kind of offers do you have after being in business for, I think 20 years? <laughs> yeah. It's like, we can't, we always <laughs> say like, we can't kill a course around here <laughs> um, and it's because it's community driven and, and it's very grassroots organic and the way that the ecosystem of the curriculums arose was all out of people. I mean, I think a lot of the educators here get it. It's like, you don't have to come up with stuff because people ask you what they, for what they want. They ask you the right yeah. questions and then you're like, oh, this is what, exactly what they need right now. So it started with Yogi Detox uh, in 2002 and that's our three week crash course. I added Living Ayurveda course and I was a practitioner in those early 2000s. So I had a yoga studio, I was an Ayurvedic practitioner. So I had like sort of the typical uh, business as usual, um, hang a shingle type of shop. And then in 07, living our Yurveda course. Now that, do you want the, do you want the time frame and the prices? Does that help sure. people listening? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So right now, um, living our Yurveda course is 7,500. It's a year and it's the healing journey. We get a lot of people that have, you know, want to get to the bottom of their autoimmune problems. People that want to get to the bottom of adrenaline addiction, uh, people that have cancer, you know, people that are like, they're, they're not doing well. And they want to take responsibility for their own health journey and their own body wisdom. And so we walk them through a healing journey with the first year Ayurveda curriculum that's offered at like most Ayurveda colleges, but they get to do it for themselves and they get to, to do it for their families. So we'll even get parents in there whose kids have chronic health issues. And they're just like, I want to get my kids off the meds. You know, like, what do I need to get? How, what do I need to understand? What do I need to know? And then out of that, I started doing well in business, <laughs> right? So then all the yoga teachers are like, what are you doing? And so then I was like, oh, well, I basically teach habits. I teach people the date, the Dinacharya, the daily habits of yogis, because when a client would come to me 
and they'd have all these symptoms, and they'd have all these health issues, and they'd have a bag of supplements and a bag of Medicaid, you know, like had all this stuff. And I would just look at like, what habit is most out of rhythm? Is it the fasting time? Is it the bedtime routine? Is it the, they don't meditate? Is it that they don't have a good movement practice? Like, is it that they don't understand how to take care of their sense organs and protect their mind? Like, what are the, what's the, what are the issues? And so I got really clued into what, um, actually in 2000, I started teaching a workshop in San Francisco called uh, Daily Routines of a Yogi. And it was just the Dinacharya crash course. It was a two hour, I gave everyone like, this is all they need, right? Even though it's really hard to do these habits because modern culture does everything opposite to what these habits are. And our, again, we're creatures of habit and our cultures are communal. So it's really hard to change your habit. So then that became a coaching course like how to coach people through the habits. And, and I left out the business model. The next year we brought in the business model. This is how you actually lead the journey. This is how you actually market. This is how you sell. And that became yoga health coaching, which is now going through a rebranding because we work with so many different types of wellness pros. They don't have to be into yoga or Ayurveda at all. We work with nurses. We work with doctors. We work with energy healers. We work with, you know, I mean, everybody, trainers, nutritionists. Um, and it's the same, it's the same deal. Everyone's got chronic inflammation. These habits work for that. Let's show you how to teach it, lead a dynamic group, because if you get a group of people that have better habits, it's easier for any new member that comes in. But that started in 2012. Uh, right now that is a 15K investment. Uh, it's a one year certification program. And then we give them a bonus year of support because what we've found is that it takes about two years for people to change their business model completely. And that's really what we're trying to help our wellness pros with is like, what is a sustainable lifestyle for you where you're actually leading the way, you're leading by example, you're not stressed out because you're trying to figure out list growth and Facebook marketing and all that, but you're like really focused on guiding a group of people across the finish line so they have these habits for life. So Body Thrive then came where I had to demonstrate the model, right? Because they're like, we want to see you do this because I didn't have the course I was teaching them to teach. So then Body Thrive came after that. We still charge the same amount for that. It's 5K, it's a year, and it's our habits course. This is like, this is the, these are the daily habits. It's very innovative, it's very cutting edge, um, but it, we also take people who know nothing and are about, you know, how to have a better experience in their body. They may be 100 pounds overweight, or they might come in with three autoimmune diseases and they don't want to learn Ayurveda, they just want to feel better now. And so they'll go into Body Thrive. And in that, we're demonstrating to the health coaches that we're coaching, like, this is how we do this. Uh, so that's been going nonstop since 2013. And then I, I decided to combine all the stuff I was learning from the business strategy, because I love business strategy. I really love business strategy. I love the idea, like, you have a problem, there's a strategic way to think about it. So I unfolded the five element theory of Ayurveda into basically how to take a strategic approach to whatever you're trying to do in your life or in your business. And I wrote a new book and created a new course called Master of You. Um, and that's our and that's our course for like people who have a bigger dream, they haven't figured out how to do it. And it's also for entrepreneurs who know they're missing a piece. Maybe it's the family piece, maybe it's the home piece, maybe it's the health piece, maybe it's the strategy piece, maybe it's the how do I fit all the things together piece and that's and that's the master of you course 15k oh. as well like they do it in a year they get a bonus year because we know it actually takes a year to automate the system so i teach systems once you have the system automated you don't really have to think about it again it's just part of how you think wow that's that's amazing that's quite the journey and also 
with two markets, you're talking about wellness pros and individuals on a healing journey. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it sounds like the people kind of pull the products out of you. Like it's, you just, they tell you what to make or what, or you get the sense. Well, Anna, by, uh, personality profile, I'm a futurist. Yeah. So I'm, and I'm not, and I'm high in openness in my like psychology breakdown. So I'm like really not, I have very low filters. Right. So someone comes with an idea that, and if I don't know about it, I'm like, educate, like catch me up, like get me up to speed. And so then that often pivots the community. So we really teach a, a collaborative intelligence model within our dynamic groups, which is all part of the coaching model that we teach. It's like, how do you activate a dynamic groups? Groups move way faster than individuals. If you can activate collaborative intelligence in a dynamic group, it gets really fun, really fast. And people get totally lit up and activated and, and they can start to then bring those tools into their other relationships and make all their relationships dynamic. That's awesome. Wow. A uh, quick, small tactical question, because I see wellness pros get hung up on this one. How do you create courses and coaching and things like that without, and kind of navigate the legality of like, um, you know, delivering this information online? Do you know what, you know what, what I'm trying to ask here? Like in terms of like medical disclaimer or coaching, not primary care or whatever, like how do you, how do you deliver that and, and not get yourself into trouble or what, what should you not do that you can do in like a private practice setting, but not on through an information product kind of thing? Oh my gosh. I, you know, it's like, I should have a really good answer to this. <laughs> For, well, <laughs> yeah. First of all, carry insurance. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> right. Uh, I think, what is it? C -A -C CPH, I think is a good one. Uh, yeah, know your scope of practice for what for who you are and what you do, and 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 really understand what what that is and how and how you give advice. I mean, one of the things that I often say is like, this is if it were if it were me, this is what I would do. So I'm not mm -hmm. telling a person what to do. You're not uh, prescribing, per se. Yeah, and I'm not prescribing. Yeah, yeah exactly. Um, never really, we never really talk about medications except for we share results of are people who start doing certain habits and then find that when they talk to their doctor, they don't need as much medication. That's like, or they don't need to be on the medication anymore. That's like a really sort of typical story around our neck of the woods. Uh, but yeah, it's, we're so habit driven that like, I mean, in what we're telling people to do is what everyone's grandmother knew. It's not, I mean, not everything, but a lot of it, a lot of is, is that right now. And again, we're super innovative, right? And we're super high in openness. Uh, I'm releasing a couple of books. This, the first one that's coming, the next one that's coming out is called Wild Habits. And in there, there's a, a number of habits that uh, are based on urine therapy, which is basically, an, 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 I can't find, I can't not find it in indigenous um, cultures or first people cultures or in holistic medicine cultures. It's like, it's everywhere where people used to upcycle their, their pee. Like, again, we're most, much more of a closed system. So right now we're talking to other urine therapists and finding out some of the legalities around that. Because if you Google urine, um, it'll say it's a waste product. So that's the party line that Google's serving up right now, uh, which is, it's, it, it's so unfortunate because like urine is the most studied compound out of the human body, um, but it's not studied in a way that's, 
helps people understand what it actually is and what those components actually do. So in that book, I try to really break down the science behind what, why, why, <laughs> why it shows up in every indigenous form of medicine, um, how other mammals use it, and what we're sort of missing if we don't get it. Uh, but I would say I walk that line, you know? I definitely walk that line. I also, I think for that reason, if we just talk about like, if, we're, if you're afraid of getting sued, don't hold a lot of capital in your company. I hold a lot of capital in other places outside of my company. Because I get that, I mean, I, if there was ever a witch to be burned on a stake, like I'm a prime target. <laughs> I'm very edgy, you know? And so I, that's one of the ways that I handle it. I carry insurance. I don't keep a ton of capital in my company. I have, you know, I have a good LLC, I have good legality protection based on that. And I advise people based on habits. That's awesome. I appreciate you sharing that. Let's. Let's look at uh, marketing with a beginner's mind. I mean, you have this amazing 20-year career and this big YouTube channel, all this stuff. Um, what I, I bet YouTube has been pretty big for you, I'm guessing. But No, I mean, actually, we, I don't know. If, I mean, like, to me, Chris, like the whole, the, the shiny object syndrome, the way things have changed so much in 20 years is like every time the tool gets, the tools get easier, the market expands. Okay. Right. So like one, one of our market advantages over time was that we were just good with tech. Like we could just do things that other people do. And I'm really, you know, pretty sharp at like, let's hire someone to figure this out that we can't figure out kind of thing. So it's like, as everything got way more sort of centralized, easy, you know, uh, online companies for dummies kind of thing, we sort of lost a lot of advantage. I think too, for me, like I'm, for, for those of you who are authors out there and are writing high quality books that require a lot of research, the amount of time that goes into that is it's it's insane and all of that time could be spent marketing so all that time could be used to optimize youtube or optimize facebook or optimize instagram or optimize linkedin so is and that a cautionary what, tale about going into the book too soon versus no i'm not going to say it is because if you truly what a book will do, and I think the, the person who's articulated this really well is Jordan Peterson, and he talks about how in Maps of Meaning, like he wrote every sentence 50 times, like the amount of neuroplasticity that you will gain, your ability to articulate, your ability to debate, to drive an idea, to do research, to actually figure out what you think, that is what happens in a book. And if you can get good at that, I mean, I've, I've blockchained like this whole publishing process so that we can own all of our content we can illustrate it like some of my issues with publishers is like they won't put as many i'm a huge fan of visual learning like i'm always drawing on my pad while i'm teaching like i i know people cannot listen to two talking heads for more than five minutes like in five minutes it's a really long time so i even in my books i get it with reading like you have to like for my people to be able to communicate these ideas and i have coaches trying to communicate these ideas to their people a picture's worth a thousand words and the people that are really individual thinking um, one of the things that they discovered is it's like you can give the same lecture right to a, a group of people and if you share like one image the thousand people will agree on what the image was but they won't agree on what the lecture was about but they can all recreate that same image so in my new book wild habits i don't even know how many images there are i think there's 80 right and so we're just doing it in a way that we're able to produce and so one of the things that i look at now when i write a book if this was visual, I'd screen share and show you the whole thing. Because the way I wrote it was that it would work for blog posts. 
It would work for marketing. It'd be really easy to pull clips out. So now I'm able to write in a way that's very cross-channel. I can read a chapter, it becomes a podcast episode. You know, it's like there's so many ways to, to get good at that cross-functionality. Uh, but yeah, if people are just writing a book because they think that sounds cool or that makes them sound like more of an authority, like I would, you know, say there's way better ways to grow your capital than that. But if you're if you really want to learn, if you really want to figure out what you think about something, if you really have something to say, I don't think there's a better way to learn how to think about it. How about productivity? I mean, you're obviously prolific and habits are super important and part of your methods. What, what's some counterintuitive habit productivity advice that maybe people haven't heard in traditional productivity books and habit books that maybe influenced by Ayurveda or, or whatever, like what, how, how do you do it? <laughs> how do you be so <laughs> prolific and love it? It looks like you're still having fun. Like totally. Yeah. I mean, and I'm at that fun part, I think too, of, uh, of company growth where I have someone that's running, I, we use a visionary integrator, the traction business mm -hmm. model or rocket fuel business model. So I now have an integrator. She's an integrator in training. Uh, so I'm still taking on a bit more of, getting her up to speed in terms of how she needs to be thinking as integrator. Uh, and that bought me a lot of freedom to, to really take the seat of a visionary and, and creator and get really clear on like, what is the best use of my time? Like, where do I, where do I need to be? And at times that felt like really insanely narcissistic. <laughs> like, I really want to learn this. But now what I've seen as from following that desire, and Tantra and yoga teaches us this really deep path of following desire. We teach that in Master of You as well. Like it really clear at high level desire and operate at that level, like really high level desire. What do you really want to know? What do you really want to be doing? And that's more or less how I operate my life. And because I've been a lifestyle entrepreneur for, you know, 20 years, um, and it's all been based on, I mean, a lot of our marketing 10 years ago was based on like, you guys want this lifestyle that I have. <laughs> You know, totally narcissistic, uh, like, look, I've got, you know, but it made me really pay attention to what is truly important. Uh, and what I find is that like all these things save time and money, like all the things we teach and do save time and money. So you end up with more time and you end up with more money. I mean, even if you look at eating half the amount, half the amount of time, like you're spending half the amount of time with food. You're spending half the amount on food and usually you eat way better food. I mean, you know this inside out, like wow, all of a sudden you see how other people waste money on food and it's like in time. So to me, just things like that, it's more of like, what do you not need to do as much that you think you need to do? And even yoga, meditation, like the way I was trained, it was like, you spend an hour a day on the cushion, an hour a day on the mat. And I'm like, maybe, or maybe you can get it done in 15 minutes and get into a brainwave state that you're aiming for and get the kind of you know, whatever, agility, flexibility, oxygenation in your cells. So there's those things. Um, I will share a secret though. And that's this, this is my little, uh, this is a syringe, you guys who are not watching. It's a syringe that it's like a 10 milliliter syringe and it has aged urine in it. And I snort it and it uh, is probably the fastest way for those of you who like want to see what thinking is on a higher level, like there's really, and this is one of the weirdest things um, about urine therapy. It's that there's a text that's roughly dated to about 500 years ago. We don't really know how long the oral tradition was before, but it's basically on urine therapy. And it's like, if you want to be smarter, 
start using your own urine. And from what I can tell in the research, the reason why snorting urine is so effective, and I know this is totally grossing most of the people out listening, and I get it. It's like you've been trained into disgust with urine. We all have. Habits are cultural. We've been trained that this is a waste product and that it's disgusting. Uh, but it's interesting to know how other cultures have used it. Uh, and from what I can tell, the olfactory bulbs are a gate. They're, um, they're the way that certain molecules within the urine are the gateway into the cerebrospinal fluid that starts to decalcify the pineal gland. And so when your pineal gland is operating the way it's designed, like you are a visionary, you're super clear. You feel, this is an interesting thing with all the habits, uh, is all the, the positive stressor habits is you get really into a relaxed, focused flow state. Um, so I don't know how I could do any of this without those. You know what I mean? Like yeah. it would just seem like stress. That's awesome. Wow. Um, what do you have for the people? Like maybe uh, something, some, something for people to check out, maybe something for the person who is um, on their wellness journey and they're just curious of their own life. And then something for a wellness pro who's, who's looking to, um, you know, follow some of your methods and techniques. Yeah. So, okay. For the wellness pros, if they want sort of the career business path, because we teach a really specific results focused business path that's like lifestyle based, yogahealer.com forward slash wellness dash pros. That'll be a, a good workshop. For those who want to learn more about Ayurveda, um, yogahealer.com forward slash Ayurveda, which is A Y U R V E D A. Uh, those are probably. Those are probably the best places to start. And for anyone who just wants to talk to us, I mean, that's really a, it's something that we offer. We offer these body goal sessions, but you can, you can just sign up with any kind of, any, it doesn't matter what you sign up for, or what you want, but yogahealer.com forward slash body dash goals. What we have found with these, we've done these body goal sessions for close to a decade. Um, and what we find is that we help people really start to just make a list of stuff that's going on. Uh, and we help them connect the dots, right? Of like, this is what all of these symptoms are saying. And then we can, at that point, we have a lot of free courses because I'm huge on free education and I'm huge on making a lot of money, but like, why not do both? Um, so we can, at that point, point you into a, a, just a more targeted free course. And we just finished, I think we just, yeah, the, we just finished um, the P guide which is a beginner's guide for anyone who's like, what the heck is she talking about? I just want to know more about that. Yogahealer.com forward slash P P E E dash book B O O K. I think it's an interesting thing just to know, like you should know about fasting. Well, you should also know about P and how, how other people are using it and why. Um, I mean, so many, oh my gosh, chronic conditions that are just so fast to solve with urine. It's kind of bizarre, um, particularly skin stuff. Uh, but you can improve your eyesight, your hearing, you can improve your digestion, your microbiomes of your physiology are really fed by the stuff that's in pee. So just to get up to speed, I like to take a very scientific approach of like, understand why this works. Um, so all of these things will have a component of that. That's awesome. Well, that's Kate Steelman. She's from yogahealer.com. Any final words for the people? Yeah, I really want to speak to people that are on the entrepreneurial journey. Um, I think there's a, and I'm sure I'm not the first person to say this on the podcast, but I think there's like the myth that it should be easy. Uh, and I think there's a myth that you should be making a lot of money. Uh, 
or you might not know what you're doing, you might not really be an expert. And I would just, you know, reflect that like life is all about pulsation. So there's going to be, there's going to be highs and lows, but always come back to who you're helping and why and be helpful. And the more you focus on that and like what those people really need, and my experience, like you will always have some really good work in front of you. That's awesome. Well, Kate, thanks for coming on the show. We really appreciate it. Oh, my pleasure, Chris. Thanks for having me. And that's a wrap for this episode of LMS Cast. Did you enjoy that episode? Tell your friends and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss the next episode. And I've got a gift for you over at lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Go to lifterlms.com forward slash gift. Keep learning, keep taking action, and I'll see you in the next episode.